just a note, this episode contains lots of spoilers. Welcome to Island Watch. Each week, we'll explore an island by watching a TV show or a movie. Just sit right back and you'll hear a tale. Hi, I'm Dave Zarg. And I'm Gemma Voss. And yes, welcome to Island Watch, the podcast that virtually visits islands all over the world. This week, we're stopping in on the island of Newfoundland by watching the movie The Grand Seduction. All aboard! So here we are sailing on the Atlantic Ocean along the eastern coast of Canada, headed for the island of Newfoundland. Yeah, Newfoundland is the island portion of the easternmost province of Canada. There it is, a big rock rising out of the sea. Newfoundland's rugged, rocky terrain means it's known as the rock by locals. There's even a song about the rock, not the Dwayne Johnson version, although I think that could be one of the most awesome mashups of all time, the rock on the rock. But I mean the song in the 2017 Broadway musical, Come From Away, which is about 7,000 passengers. This actually happened. 7,000 passengers stranded in the Newfoundland town of Gander when flights were grounded on September 11th, 2001. Let's take a listen. On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world, and next to it is a town called Gander. Welcome to the rack if you come from away. You probably understand about a half of what we say. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man. Especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland. Welcome to the rack! exactly thrilled to be inside on such a gorgeous day so I told him we'd only have a half day this morning and they were quite pleased until I told them we'd have the other half in the afternoon welcome to the wildest weather that you've ever heard of where everyone is nicer but it's never nice above welcome to the farthest place you'll get from Disneyland fish and chips and shipwrecks this is Newfoundland welcome to the rock that lovely, lilting Newfoundland accent that already takes me away. One day soon, when we can travel again, I'll get myself out to Newfoundland. I really, really want to get to Grossmore National Park and scratch my itch for hiking along sea cliffs, overlooking fjords. Yeah, you can check out pictures and more. More information on Grossmorn, which is a UNESCO World Heritage Site by visiting our website at islandwatchpodcast.com. Dave, you've actually been to Newfoundland, right? Yes, I have. We were there on a family vacation a couple of years ago for, for two weeks. We saw a lot of the island. We landed in St. John's, the capital, saw a lot of that city, and then rented a car and explored around different places on the island. I think St. John's, it's with an S, right? St. John's? St. John's is with an apostrophe S. With an apostrophe S, because there's a few towns in the Maritimes called St. John. St. John's or St. John. But that being the capital, when we get to our movie, that's uh, referred to as 
town, I think, right? Yes, yes, it's referred to as town. It's the it's the major city on the island, and most people who don't live in town refer to it that way. So you went from the town, and which way did you go around the island? Because I heard that a lot of times people drive around the, the perimeter of the island. We didn't do the whole circumference. We went essentially in kind of a counterclockwise direction north of St. John's. We headed to places like Trinity and Bonavista, where the Grand Seduction was shot, as we'll discuss in a moment. And we also went to places like Gander, and we stopped at another lovely island called Fogo Island. And we also went to Gross Morn National Park, which is a beautiful, beautiful place. That's one of the most beautiful places I've, I've ever been. It's, it's rugged, hilly, but it's just very beautiful scenery. We were there in Ju- July that year, and so everything was green, and the hmm. sea was blue, and the sky was blue. It was lovely. Right? It just seems like an ideal escape. We then drove up to the northern tip of the island where there's an ancient Norse settlement called Lanso Meadows. It's a UNESCO heritage site. Oh, we checked yeah, that out. Lanso Meadows. Yeah, I've heard of that too. Yeah. It's very beautiful. And I think Lanso Meadows is uh, one of the original places where the Vikings landed on North America. Is that right? Yes, it was a Norse settlement and it was settled briefly about a thousand years ago. That's amazing. Yeah, it was an interesting archaeological site to see. Just a lovely province altogether. All the island is, is beautiful. We really enjoyed uh, meeting the people, uh, seeing the rugged, beautiful scenery, uh, enjoying music and f- the food. It was a really great vacation, and I would highly recommend that it should be a place to go once people are, are able to travel uh, more mm-hmm. more readily. Absolutely. It just seems like such a cool place. And just in terms of our, our point of view, like we're, we're both Canadian, but Newfoundland hasn't always been Canadian, right? It was, uh, it just, they had actually a referendum. I think it was in 1949 uh, to decide whether or not they wanted to join Canada. So it is a province of Canada now, Newfoundland and Labrador, but it. I feel like in many ways, yeah, just like Quebec, it's it's its its own nation in a way, right? Canada is such a big country. There's so many regions. And to think that the whole country is the same, it's most definitely not. I think you see that in this film too, a lot of the culture, even the accent is, is very um, distinct. And yeah, it's just interesting and fascinating. So so now that we know where we're headed, this big, bracing, friendly rock in the Atlantic, uh, let's find out more about how we're getting there. So this week we're watching the 2013, or we have watched the 2013 film, The Grand Seduction. The Grand Seduction, it's set in a rural Newfoundland community, was based on a, actually a 2003 Quebecois film, La Grande Seduction, which was marketed in English as Seducing Dr. Lewis. It was written by Ken Scott and Michael Douse, 
adapting Scott's original screenplay. It was produced by Barbara Doran and Roger Frappier. And Frappier had co-produced the original La Grande Seduction. It was directed by Don McKellar, a celebrated Canadian writer, actor, and director. And it featured Irish actor Brendan Gleeson as Murray and a large Canadian cast. Taylor Kitsch plays Dr. Paul Lewis, a plastic surgeon. Leanne Balaban as Kathleen, who works at the local post office. Gordon Pinsent is Simon, a friend of Murray's. Mark Critch as Henry, who works at the local bank. Peter Callahan is there as Trip Anderson, an oil company executive. As well as a couple of brilliant Canadian comedians, Mary Walsh as Vera, Simon's wife, and Kathy Jones as Barbara, who's Murray's wife. The film premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival in 2013 and then opened in theaters in May 2014. When I was a boy, Ticklehead was a proud fishing harbor. Back then, people from Ticklehead were strong, dignified, brave. Their days were filled with purpose. By no means was this life for the faint at heart, for the weak, or the lazy. But as I look back now, I can truly say, life was a thing of beauty. So the film opens when Murray is the main character, is a young kid, and times are good. But then the film moves to the present day when times are not so good. When Murray was young, there was lots of fishing and the community was quite prosperous. There was work for everyone. But back in the 1990s, there was a moratorium put in place on cod fishing because of declining populations. And this really affected the Newfoundland economy and lots of little outport harbors like the fictional Ticklehead, where employment was, was really decimated and it really meant a lot of upheaval in the province. And when the movie opens, Murray and, and other people from the community are at the post office picking up their welfare checks because there isn't enough work for them. But there's a plan to get the community back on its feet. There's a proposal to an oil company to set up a byproduct repurposing facility, and it would bring jobs to the town and would restore some of the prosperity and dignity to the town. So they have this proposal which they have made to an oil company to be the location for this facility that the company wants to set up. But there's a snag. They have to have a local doctor in place, otherwise the company won't accept their proposal. But there isn't a doctor in this little harbor of Ticklehead. And that's that's not a problem unique to Newfoundland by any means. Lots of small towns across Canada uh, really have trouble getting doctors and, and having them stay. So it's a, it's a great... Um, it's a great plot device for the movie, and but also you can see how it was used for the Quebecois version of this as well as Newfoundland because it is it is a pretty universal story. Exactly, but conveniently, there is a doctor, uh, a guy named Paul Lewis, who's a plastic surgeon, and he's away from home. He's connecting flights in St. John's, and he gets pulled aside for a customs inspection. And it turns out that the guard who is 
examining his luggage is the former mayor of Ticklehead. So he's well aware of the situation in the small community. And when he's going through Paul's stuff, he discovers a small canister with a suspicious substance in it. And then Paul admits to him that, you know, it's cocaine, uh, but if you keep it quiet, maybe I can help you out. Because Paul's a plastic surgeon, and he offers to provide free cosmetic surgery for the guard or, or, or his wife, because he wants to keep this unofficial and off the record. So Tom, this former mayor, he knows about the situation at home and about the proposal, so he has an idea that maybe they can get this doctor to come to Ticklehead and maybe even stay there. So then we go back to Ticklehead, and Murray, the main character, is now the mayor. And he, he and his friends, Simon and Henry, they're getting ready for a town meeting because they want to discuss this proposal with the community. Murray tells the community about this proposal and how it will work. And he challenges the members of the community to seduce this doctor, to get him to stay here in Ticklehead. First order of business. Ladies and gentlemen, I am pleased to announce that a doctor is coming to Ticklehead for one month. We have exactly one month to convince our good doctor to sign long-term. Because we have just heard that if the doctor chooses to stay here in Ticklehead, we gets the factory. Eh? We get a doctor, the factory is a done deal. Right? Done deal. Okay. Now we have one month to make our man here, Dr. Paul Lewis, believe. One month to make him believe like a child. Believe that Ticklehead is the finest place on earth to call home. One month. Well, you know that when somebody in a movie says, it's a done deal, hijinks are gonna ensue. <laughs> of course, it's not gonna be that smooth. And the town folks start planning the seduction in pretty great detail. Exactly. They clean up the town, they repaint some buildings, they want everything to look fresh and, and ready. But more importantly, they do things like forming a cricket club, because they know from when the guy's luggage was searched that the doctor really likes cricket. So they want to form a cricket club, but... They know nothing of cricket. They don't have, they don't know the rules. They don't understand the game at all. So they're going to have to pretend. Actually, I really love this part of the movie because usually in movies, it's assumed that you know, like how to play poker or the inside and outsides of baseball stats, right? And you, and you need to know that stuff to kind of follow the plot. In this case, the town is completely ignorant of cricket. Like, one guy thinks they're talking about the insect, not the game. And even through the whole uh, cr cricket seduction <laughs> scenes, um, it's never assumed that you, as the audience, know any more than the townspeople do. They're just absolutely pulling it out of their bottoms, which are clothed in white, because at least they know that much about cricket. It's all about wearing white. Exactly. And that's part of the great humor of this movie. The, the lengths that they go to to be something other than they are 
but they do it with great panache, and it, it's really funny and provides a lot of the humor in the movie. They do other things as well. For example, they bug the doctor's phone calls. Cell phones don't work here, landlines only, so it's easier to be able to listen in. And they learn a lot about his likes and dislikes. They find out what his favorite food is. They learn about the fact that he's engaged. But there seems to be problems in his relationship with his fiance, And so they're going to try to exploit these different things in order to convince the doctor to stay. I mean, it's there to move the movie along. I think in real life, you would just uh, probably find those things out from talking with a person. <laughs> it, they also find out some things uh, that he thinks about the town that aren't so flattering to them. So it's uh, they definitely have to take their punches for the dastardly deed they're undertaking. Exactly. And they know that it's going to take a bit of work to get this big city doctor to come to love the life in a small town. <laughs> Murray also has this idea that he wants Kathleen, a young woman who works at the local post office, to try to flirt with the doctor. But she will have nothing of it because she knows that, that the doctor's engaged. And I think even just more generally, she doesn't want to be put in that position, right, of having to be someone who's going to entice him to stay. But it, it, does, it does lend itself to some of the humor and warmth of the movie, though. All of the roles for the women are underwritten. This town is 120 people, and you barely ever see the female characters. And when you do... They're basically there to do laundry and and be supportive and all those kinds of things. So that part is disappointing. So it's great that at least this character of Kathleen, when Murray approaches her and says, "Yeah, you know, we just we just want you to flirt with the guy, just you know, play up his manly, like make him feel manly for being around in the town," and she is, yeah, she just shuts him down. And later on, when the doctor does arrive and and I guess whatever starts trying to make some very clumsy moves on her she shuts that down too so it's like at, at least there's that because um like you mentioned with Kathy Jones and Mary Walsh two of the best sketch comedians you're going to find anywhere they are they, they could have been so much more in this movie they could uh really ramped it up I think their roles but anyway that that's just me wishing for a bit more out of this movie it is it does have a lot of charm on its own but um once again the female roles very underwritten i would agree that was is one of the few shortcomings i would say of the movie i, I don't know if it's coming through in our conversation but i i really did enjoy the movie overall that was one piece where i did think it fell a bit short Gradually, though, Paul does get to like the community. The people are very friendly, and some of these efforts are, are paying off to get him to, to like the community. You know, he goes fishing. They conveniently put a fish on his hook, literally. One, one of the, Simon, one of the community members, is scuba diving underneath the boat and attaches a frozen fish to Paul's hook so that he can land a fish. 
So these efforts are kind of paying off. And then also, Paul is noticing that his relationship with his fiance, who we never see, we just hear her voice on the phone, that that relationship is not going well. And remember, of course, that all of his conversations on the phone are overheard by some of the townspeople and reported back to Murray and Simon, the, the leaders of this seduction effort to get Paul to stay. Eventually, all these different efforts that the community is making really helps to convince Paul that this is a great little community. He really appreciates the people and the food, but, but will he stay? Or will he be drawn back to his life in the city? There's a push-pull now in the decision that the doctor's going to make to stay in Ticklehead. The townspeople are also now coming to the realization that it's not just about the one-month seduction. They're now in for the long lie. Like, they've set everything up as a lie. They're going to have to continue that lie. And they're starting to get a sense of the implications of that. And it's not really that good. Because if they want to keep this one person in their town, that's how important he is to them, or the position of doctor is to them, they are all going to have to maintain all the lies they've told so far. So it's really going to be much more than just paying him to be there. (laughs) They are going to be paying in other ways as well. And the push is that he has found out his fiance is cheating on him poor guy so there's a lot of things moving him towards making a decision what is it going to be well my month here is almost over and well i want to tell all of you that i've come to know ticklehead is well tiny uh lacking gourmet restaurants no offense joe but there's something very special here very rare You're all authentic people, the real deal. Honest in your life and true to each other. It would be an honor to call Ticklehead home. Be your new doctor. Deliver your babies, fix your cuts. Help all of you live long, healthy lives. So he's going to stay. But of course, he does find out that it's all been a lie. And then he thinks, how how can he trust these people who have been lying to him? But Murray passionately defends everything they've done because he knows how important this community is. All the community members know how important this community is to them and the lengths that they will go to save the community. You want the truth? Yeah, well, the truth is, it's been years since the fishing dried up here, years. We line up every month and collect welfare checks. You ever collect welfare, Paul? Well, you collect more than your money, let me tell you that much. You collect shame. You collect a good deal of shame. Money only lasts 15 days, but you get enough shame to last a whole month. And it's killing us. We need jobs. I tell you the truth, I don't want to work for the oil company. I prefer to fish, but we're not allowed to fish. Not enough to make a living anyways. So I'll work for this petrochemical whatever the frig. When they're gone, we'll try something else because it's worth it to save this harbor. I'm sorry, we lied to you because we hadn't the foggiest idea how else to get a doctor here. We need a doctor to save 120 people, give them some kind of hope. So of course Paul decides to stay. They sign the deal with the oil company and everyone celebrates. We got the facility. We had more work than we needed. None of us got rich, but we're comfortable again. 
We can take holidays, send our kids back to university or trade school. But the most important thing the people at Ticklehead have now is our pride. So, yeah, it's a it's a very sweet-hearted movie, though not entirely innocent. There's lying, there's bribery. Uh, and yet it's the landscape. It's the it's the ocean. It's when they're out on the ocean fishing. It's looking down from that crazy slope of the cricket field out onto the ocean watching the doctor first come in on the boat. It's like all this beautiful, wild scenery that to me makes this movie, I like the movie, and the scenery just makes it something that I'll probably watch again in the future just because it's so beautiful. I've been to that part of the province in the area where the movie was filmed, and it is very beautiful there. It's a breathtaking, in fact. So I can see the appeal of, of that. But I think the movie also really does a great job of capturing the passion and the, and the culture of, of a small, isolated community on, on this island, which is at the edge of the continent. And it seems to me... Now, I, cl- I do not claim to be an expert on, on the culture. I've only been there once. But it does seem to me to be fairly authentic. It, it has a large cast of Newfoundland-born Canadian actors, and I think it, that really brings a sense of authenticity to the, to the whole production. Yeah, and speaking of actors, I can't, I can't let this go without saying Gordon Pinsent is such a good actor. He doesn't actually have that many lines, even though he's a major character. He he's not a talkative character, <laughs> but his face in every scene is just amazing. There's this like craggy wisdom on his face, and yet there's this this tenderness and humor. Like it's just fascinating. I I love that guy. I think just watching him is a treat. It's a treat. So yeah. You can revel in his performance as well as the rest of the movie. He does have a real presence that you really notice him in each scene. He really tends to to fill, not to dominate and not to overtake others, but to just give a gravitas to the scenes that he's in. A gravitas that just made me laugh because one of the things I looked at in getting ready for this episode was I remember he was on an episode of This Hour's 22 Minutes, which is a Canadian sketch comedy TV show that both Mark Critch, who plays the banker, and Kathy Jones uh, and Mary Walsh, Mary Walsh was one of the founding members, have um, have performed on that show. And they had Gordon Pinsent come on just after... <laughs> Just after Bieber published his autobiography at the age of 16 or something like that. And he read, as Bieber, he read the book Gordon Pinsent did. And it is, it's amazing. You can find the clip on our website. So go check out islandwatchpodcast.com.
time for Find the Island. With so many islands in the world, it's a challenge to figure out which to visit. To get to know the islands of the world better, we created this Find the Island segment. It will help choose which islands to visit, either in person or on a future episode of Island Watch. So here's how to play. One of us gives a series of clues about an island, and the other tries to work out what island it is. Best of all, you can play along at home. Today, it's Dave's turn to highlight an island. Okay, clue number one. This island is considered a remote community, even though it's less than 100 kilometers from several metropolitan areas. Right now, I feel that that actually describes just about anybody in quarantine. <laughs> Feels like a remote island. But I don't think that's the answer you're looking for. No, it's, in fact, it's, it's often called remote but accessible. Because ferries run to the island from early spring until mid-December, but then they stop for the winter. However, it is reachable by plane year-round. An interesting part about the island is that it's at the same latitude as Corsica, Montenegro, and Northern California. And I will give you this clue. It's somewhere in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, I think I need some more clues, please. Okay, of course. Well, its latitude has a major impact on the island's climate, as illustrated by the next couple of clues. So the third clue is that a major part of tourism on the island is bird watching. And that's because the island is a stopover on the migration path for many species of birds. Okay, keep going. Okay. And during the peak of migration in spring and fall, it's not unusual to spot a hundred different species on the same day. So there really is a lot of bird watching. Clue number four, the island is known for its wines. Maybe that <laughs> might give you a clue. Okay, I don't want it to look like I can pinpoint an island just from its alcohol production, but given the other clues, I feel like this is probably Peely Island. Exactly. Yes, it's hey, Peely Island. Yay! Yeah. And, you know, Peely Island! Yes, exactly. And among those wines, there are more than 30 varieties, including Baco Noir, Cabernet Sauvignon, Chardonnay, Gamay Noir, Gewurztraminer, Merlot, Pinot Grigio, Pinot Noir, Riesling, Sauvignon Blanc, and Shiraz. So quite a, a large variety of wines. All right, now the fifth clue, which we didn't need because you guessed the island, is that Margaret Atwood has a house there. Yeah, that wouldn't have helped. Okay. I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that. The birding kind of had me thinking that area, but yeah, when you said wine, I, I thought, okay, that's that's got to be Peely Island. Exactly. Now, Margaret Atwood has had her home there since 1987, and in fact, she's written many of her books on the island. But don't ask locals where her house is, because they're reportedly very protective of her privacy. Well, yeah. Why wouldn't they be? That is a beautiful place to write some very dark stuff. Um, for if, if the name is ringing a bell, but you can't quite place it, Margaret Atwood is probably most famous right now for writing The Handmaid's Tale, which has been turned into a TV series, along with other books like Alias Grace and The Edible Woman. Yeah, tons and tons of books. Now, Peely Island is interesting, I think, because it's, it's in Lake Erie, 
right? It's about 20 kilometers south of Point Pelee National Park in southern Ontario. It's not terribly big. It's 42 square kilometers in size. But it's the southernmost populated place in Canada. Its permanent population is only about 235 people. But a lot more people visit the island during the better weather. And that remote but accessible point that was in our first clue, it's really close to several highly populated areas. It's just 87 kilometers from Cleveland, Ohio, 75 kilometers from Toledo, and 64 kilometers from Windsor. It actually does sound like a pretty small place. Like I was just thinking, you know, Newfoundland, uh, one of the things I read about Newfoundland is that if it, it's, it's over three times the size of all the other maritime provinces put together. And actually, if it were an American state, the only other states that would be bigger would be California, Alaska, and Texas. So compared to Newfoundland, Philly is just a drop in the pond. Exactly. But it's actually, though, the biggest of a group of Canadian islands in the lake. There's a group of islands, there are about nine altogether, and the other much smaller islands are called Hen Island, Big Chicken Island, Little Chicken Island, Chick Island, Middle Sister Island, East Sister Island, North Harbor Island, and Middle Island. And that last one is interesting because it is the most, the southernmost land in Canada. The international border is only about 150 meters offshore. Pelee is the most southerly populated island. Yeah. The names aren't amazingly catchy. I mean, again, I'm doing some comparison to Newfoundland here where there's names like Conception Bay, Come By Chance, and of course everybody's favorite dildo, Newfoundland. Like... They, they have it in spades for being creative with the names there. So maybe they should come out and uh, do some naming out here. Who knows? Sure. But the really interesting thing about Peely Island is its latitude. Well, it really amazes my American friends when I tell them, when they first learn that Canada actually stretches as far south as California. I mean, how can the Great White North stretch so far towards the equator? Now, mind you, we're not talking about the same latitude as Palm Springs or San Diego. Now, if you look at a map of North America, the boundary between California and Oregon is the 42nd parallel. That parallel cuts through the Canadian mainland on the Point Pelee Peninsula. And so that means that Pelee Island's position is a little less than 42 degrees north. Scudder, the main village on the island, lies at 41.81 degrees the same as the very far north end of California. That position, and also the fact that it's in the middle of the lake, that has a large impact on, on its climate. It, it's slightly milder uh, because of, of that. that, and that's what contributes it to being ideal for growing grapes. And its position makes it ideally located for that stopping over point on the major migration path for so many birds. Well, that sounds like a pretty nice place to visit. Um, I don't know that any of the islands we've looked at so far are places that I'm like, nah, don't need to go there. <laughs> pretty much every place I hear about, I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, well, that sounds like it would be a good a good visit. Yeah, I, I was there only once, and that was about 30 years ago. I'd really like to go back because they, they do have a lot of things happening in, in the in 
the spring and summer and, and early fall, particularly around, around bird watching, but also other ecotourism. It's a popular cycling and camping destination. Now, some of these things might not be happening this year in 2020 because of the pandemic. There, there are a number of activities that happen on the island during the, the good weather. There's a music festival, there's a half marathon, winery tours. There's also a special event called the Spring Song Weekend, which is usually held on the Mother's Day weekend in May. And it's a celebration of books and birds. So guess who hosts that event? Yes, it's hosted by Margaret Atwood. So it would be really neat to attend that event sometime. Uh, it probably did not happen at least in person in 2020, but hopefully in coming years that event will be back on. So it sounds like a neat place to get to. It's reachable by ferry uh, from from Leamington in southern Ontario. There's also a, a ferry from Sandusky in Ohio. So it is easily reachable. It's remote, but accessible. Well, Newfoundland and Peely Island, what a trip. We're back on board now, ensconced in our cabins, about to set sail for our next port. Join us next week for another great Island Watch adventure. In the meantime, follow us on Twitter at Island Watch Cast. Our email address is islandwatchpodcast at gmail.com. Visit our website at islandwatchpodcast.com for show notes and more. Fair winds and calm seas. been a production of Phosphine League. Phosphine League. Phosphine League. Phosphine League. Phosphine League.